As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash Show. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, the Steelman scare Stevie G, Lennon loses it, and the Dons are dumped in Dingwall. I'm Andrew Slavin, and down the line in Lanarkshire, with a bottom two in the Premiership play, it's Laura Brannan. Hello. 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 Um, and joining me in exile, away from our bonny wee homeland, it's JJ Bill from The Telegraph. Hello. That's reminded me there was a guy who used to drink in the pub I used to work in in Aberdeenshire. He used to call everyone a Bonnie Loon when he got really drunk and sort of really menacing <laughs> and aggressive. He'd be like, oh, my Bonnie Loon. That's how he'd sound like when he start trying to fight people, but like in a nice way. It's really hard to explain. Anyway, hi. <laughs> That's one of my favourite Scottish words, that Bonnie. Very, very nice. Some new additions to Scottish football this week. Um, Australia midfielder Jackson Irvine has signed from Hull to Hibs. Andrew McLean on Twitter pointed out as well that Irvin has a tattoo of Mo from The Simpsons on his leg, which is pretty cool. Um, do any of you have cool tattoos? I have a tattoo of you on my face. <laughs> You'd wow. be so lucky. I don't have any tattoos. I'm not cool enough. I, I like the fact that people are starting to realise that Jackson Irvin's got a bit of a personality. I, wor- I worked with him when he was at Celtic's youth team. And yeah, nice. He's, he's a really smart guy. Really, really, really smart. Um, and it was actually quite nice because when you went on pre-season trips for like two weeks at a time with just the squad, it was nice to have somebody like Jackson there because you'd have a, a normal conversation with him about things that wasn't <laughs> yeah. football and he, he could hold a conversation with you. Um, he's he's kind of like not your typical footballer in that sense. Um, and it's nice that people are starting to kind of see his personality creep out. You're saying the Mo tattoo wasn't some drunken weekend trip away that <laughs> oh, I have no accidentally idea. got. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> it was planned. But he's clearly not trying to hide it, so... Absolutely. He's not embarrassed about it. Later on, Finn Marks will be getting stuck into Scottish football matters off the field. And we've also got Scotland and Motherwell right back Stephen O'Donnell. In fact, he's coming up right now. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. It was bottom versus top by the time Motherwell and Rangers kicked off on Sunday lunchtime, but the league leaders dropped points for only the third time this season as it finished one apiece. We're joined now by Motherwell and Scotland right back Stephen O'Donnell. Worked hard at the weekend uh, up against Rangers. It's never an easy game. How did you how did you find it? Yeah, no, definitely it was um, obviously a great result, but um, I think the more pleasing thing was a lot of the things we'd worked on during the week we were able to implement and and managed to put in a, a good team performance, which is the most important thing. And and on the back of what was, I thought, a disappointing result against St Mirren, albeit it was a good point to start the, the new manager's reign, um, I thought we deserved more. So to get something against Rangers, who are, are obviously flying, um, was, a, was a great result. 
What was the manager saying to you uh, in preparation for it? Like, was there a lot of, what kind of prep did you do? Was there a lot of training ground work on shape or video analysis, things like that? I think, obviously, there's no surprise how Rangers play. I've seen them often enough. Their fullbacks push on very high. So it was just trying to kind of talk about and play through scenarios. We're hoping to kind of overload them on the counter in the wide areas when Barisic and, and uh, Tavernier go. So, um, so I think a couple of times we managed to do that, certainly in the first half. And um, and again, it was just being patient. They'll have a lot of the ball, let them play around you. But crucial that they don't play through us. And and I think the goal will be disappointing that we conceded it, albeit it might have been marginal and offside. But um, it's always difficult to get the ones against the wood for them. But, um, <laughs> but, nah, but, it was, uh, but it was certainly, look, I think we managed to put everything into practice and just disappointed we conceded the goal. Have you found what's what's the difference that Alexander's made since he's came in? Um, what what's your impression of him so far? Yeah, well, look, personally, I've been very impressed. He's he's came in, a lot of enthusiasm, looking to to get his playing a bit more, maybe intensity, um, if that would be the right word. But again, the, the old manager I thought was was unfortunate with a lot of results. He obviously brought me in, and a lot of games we were with such small margins, how we had lost them or. The game probably against Hibs, where we lost 3-0, probably sums up my first four four months at Motherwell. We um, probably dominated the game for about 60 minutes, 65 minutes. Considered a goal against the run of play. They then had their spell of 10, 15 minutes. Last five minutes, we're pushing for an equaliser, and then they win 3-0. Headlines are how bad are Motherwell, 3-0. You know, it, was, it, it was such small margins, and then... Um, and obviously, new man, the old manager left, and, and it's brought in new ideas. But um, certainly, I think there was was a lot to work with, and hopefully, uh, all the players that are there can uh, take advantage of the, the new regime. Would you say that's kind of the, what's going wrong this season? Not just purely bad luck, but it's those sorts of things keep happening. Yeah, it's, it's small margins. Been a lot of been a lot of mistakes um, individually and collectively, and I mean that happens consistently. Obviously it's not good enough um, hopefully that will change that can sometimes just change through fate but certainly everything I've seen from from uh, the gaffer the, the new gaffer now is that I'm very impressed looking forward to all his ideas and, and I think all the boys are taking on board Right I'm going to I'm going to stop talking about Motherwell for a minute because that's all we ever do so <laughs> I'm going to take off my Motherwell hat and put on my Scotland fan hat Um Tell me about we've never really we've not had a chance to catch up on this since since Serbia. Tell me about kind of that night. So it's what was it like really like once you got off the pitch and just kind of seeing a year that it's just been so crappy for everyone. How much has that sort of feeling that feel good factor helped everyone? Um, look, I, I certainly hope that everyone, that, that every football fan in the country, even maybe not football fans, just the the, the average punter. It's seen a, a wee bit of a, a lift, obviously, with lockdown and everything that's going on makes it a wee bit more difficult to see that. Um, I'm sure there's been lots of family around and I'm, I'm pretty sure most of my uncles wanted some sort of celebration, but, but sadly that was uh, marred by um, COVID. So, look, I, I think to get there is just so important for the, for the country because we're a football nation. It's been a long, long time and it was crucial that we've We've eventually managed to achieve what we, we, we've always been capable of achieving. Um, I watched Scotland national teams. Our manager played in Scotland national teams that had far better teams than ours. But we managed to work hard with the togetherness and, and we managed to, um, I thought, put in an outstanding performance against a top side and make them look average. And um, I just hope that we're able to do that, what, three times in the, in the qualifiers and, and have something to, to really be proud of it. I've got a final question for you. Can you boogie? <laughs> Can I boogie? Oh, jeez. Uh, not very well. Uh, I think I might have been part of that uh, infamous conga, but uh, that's probably as far as my band names go. Uh, again, we're, we're all limited. I'm, I'm limited technically in football and I'm limited in my hips. So uh, there's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's not too much boogieing. Uh, been known to uh, more make a pig of myself, I think, when I'm out, out uh, dancing. But uh, it's all for all for fun. There's no there's no stress. In it. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll see it all in the summer when we win the tournament. This is... Oh, look! I'll happily boogie every single corner flag if there's fans. <laughs> out, out, out. <laughs>
Well, Rangers still unbeaten, but Laura, you must have had a wee notion to think that Motherwell could go all the way in this game. <laughs> oh, Andrew, I'm, I'm too old and jaded in this sport to, to get my hopes up when <laughs> team take the lead. <laughs> no, seriously, though, um, no, it was really encouraging. It was a really, it was a really good day. Um, it was... It, we looked more like a football team and I mean that in the sense of there was a kind of unity there. The boys looked to be kind of working for each other, um, which we haven't so much as seen in, in recent weeks. It just kind of felt like when Rangers were attacking, it, it, they didn't put the fear into me watching it, thinking, oh, it's going to be an onslaught here. Um, disappointing, yes, to concede the goal, as um, Soz was saying there. But look, the Rangers are very clearly the best team in the country right now. Um, a one each draw is not anything to be ashamed of, especially in the run that Mother were on just now, and I think it'll do confidence the, the world of good. Did you just call Stephen O'Donnell Sods? Yeah. Is that his nickname? <laughs> yeah, you know, S-O-D. his initials, yeah. Yeah, sod it. Um, <laughs> obviously, Motherwell took the lead, like you said, um, just like they did at Ibrox a month ago. In fact, the Steelmen have actually spent more time in front of Rangers. Um, in front against Rangers, sorry, than any other Premiership side. They've been ahead of Rangers for 118 minutes this season, which is staggering when you think performances like that um, and they were bottom of the, the table. If wait, we look so, wait, at... so do you mean that they have been ahead of Rangers more than any other team has been ahead of Rangers or they've been ahead of Rangers more than they have any other team in the league? The first. Yeah, against Rangers. Against Rangers. So we led, the game at Ibrox last month, we were in the lead for something like 67 minutes or something it worked out for. And that's the and most then, any team has against Rangers. Yeah, and then this game, it was something like 50 odd minutes um, that Very we were ahead for. I mean, it's a great start, but <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we've only had a point out of the two games. Yeah. Um, so as you can say, you can construe stats whatever way you want, but no, look, it's great. I think the, the way that... Um, like we just kind of touched on it briefly there. The way we kind of lined up was different. Um, we kind of gave Rangers a bit more space down the flanks, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting. Um, and it meant that we were our game plan was to crowd out the box a bit more. Um, and it, it did, it stifled Rangers. It, it kind of they didn't have many options in that sense. Like the, the first half was very different to the second, the second half was very much a stronger Rangers. Um, I don't think, I don't think this was a case of. Rangers played badly. I think it was more Motherwell actually played well. Um, and that's where the kind of frustration came from Rangers more so than they were struggling. Um, but no, I mean, like, I don't even think that Motherwell can be criticised for for playing too defensively. We brought on Ross McKeever and Stephen Lawless towards the end. Yes, OK, we also brought on Ricky Lamy and Barry Maguire, which were defensive subs. But it was, um, the tactics there was quite good because mm-hmm. it wasn't just, um, it was learning to, to hold out games. We've, had players talk about in the past where we have to win ugly um, towards the end of games, which is something that Motherwell haven't been doing. Um, and okay, yes, I, I know it wasn't a win, but it was that sort of idea. It was it was holding, it was dealing with that pressure and holding out at the end. Um, and it's positive. It's encouraging to see Motherwell doing that, especially a, a team against Rangers. Yeah, it's encouraging as well for Graham Alexander. You know, he's not not been defeated in his two games for Motherwell so far. But Rangers, JJ had to rely on Cedric Itton to come off the bench. Um, and score his fourth Premiership goal. All of his goals, in fact, have came against Motherwell. Um, but what did you make of Rangers in this game? Uh, they played as they normally do. They just couldn't really break down. I think a lot of it to do is uh, is with what Laura's saying. I was really impressed with how Motherwell defended in particular, and the way they were keeping Rangers quiet was they'd have a, a line of four or five at the back, and then they'd have either a four or, yeah, like a four ahead of that. But it would be, how do I explain this without being able to use the medium of visualness uh, <laughs> like maybe normally say it was like a 4-4-2 four, four, right normally you'd have 4 and a 4 right in front of each other but this time they had like a 4 and then the other 4 was starting halfway across so they were cutting out they were blocking the, the wide spaces early so like the fullback couldn't get past that part yeah. does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. so yeah, they're sort of blocking the wing early and then they had their two forwards there and it just kind of kept them quiet but uh, you look at things like average position maps and that Rangers had every single player way into the half. They had 70% possession. They they kind of controlled the game. Motherwell just did really well at blocking them wherever they're trying to get to. And then crosses in the box weren't working because Motherwell were defending really well there. Probably a lot to do with the step up in intensity. You know, that kind of happens when you get a new manager in. Um, and then they kept chucking strikers on, managed to get the get a draw out of it. They, they were fine. Like These games will happen now and again. 
there's not much you can do when another team locks it down and does it as well as Motherwell did. I think the real test is next weekend because the first Graham Alexander's first game was 24 hours after he was appointed, essentially. I mean, you'd been good to just know the players' names by that stage, walking in the door. And then the second game was Rangers, which is the hardest game you can have in the league. So to then go next weekend, Motherwell are away to Aberdeen. And it's a team that we've we've not lost to this season. Um, in fact, the whole 2020. Um, and it's it's a team that we, we have been doing well against, despite a bad run. So to then see how Alexander then tests his players in a game like that, I think will be a lot more telling than the first two fixtures. Yeah, well... Rangers stay 21 points clear um, at the top of the table. They can probably afford to drop a few points. So Rangers probably fairly unaffected by just a draw in this one. Up next, a deep dive into the Dons. RB Leipzig gift shop? Yeah, uh, I want to return a player. Uh, he's not working. He was supposed to help me achieve my goals, but I don't think he even knows what a goal is. Ah, yeah. Well, uh, all I can say is that he was just fine working when he was to London dispatched. Oh. Lampard and Chelsea can't seem to get their money back, but you can with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker. If one leg of your four-plus-fold Acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10. Min odds 1-5 to five on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18plusbegambleaware.org. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slayman. County through again. Joe Lewis can't claim the ball, and Jermaine Hilton makes it four. And if there's a piece of footage that sums up Aberdeen's afternoon, that's it. The result of the weekend came in the Highlands. Ross County's first home win in the Premiership since the opening weekend of the season with a 4-1 thumping of Aberdeen at Dingwall. We're joined now by Ben Palmer, who covers Aberdeen for the Times. Ben, how big a shock was was the result and the performance? Because Aberdeen don't normally lose by four, well, no, ship four no. goals, eh? It was a huge shock. Um, and I think the last time we, we lost uh, or conceded four goals to a team that wasn't Rangers or Celtic was in the final day of the 2015-16 campaign. Um, also to Ross County, um, which was a, a freak result in the final day of the season when a, a load of youngsters took to the field. So it was a huge, huge um, shock, especially when County go and score number three and four in the last five minutes. It, it was a tighter game than 4-1, but uh, nonetheless, the, the scoreline um, was a shocker and uh, a, bit of a bit of a shock to the Aberdeen players, I'd imagine, as well. It didn't take long, did it? <laughs> I was listening to Sports Sound and I don't think any other game had kicked off and they were shouting that there'd been a goal. Was it something like that? The on- online stream hadn't even started, had it? Well, I had it at 36 and I'm fairly certain that I started my stopwatch as soon as the referee started his. But that's what I mean. I mean, the first minute or so of the game, I was just sort of refreshing Twitter and, and replying to a couple of messages and I look up from my laptop screen the ball's just trickling into the back of the net. It's like... What's just happened here? So, I um, I think he completely took Aberdeen by shock. But, I mean, fair play to Ross County. We came out, had a go, and, and well, certainly certainly got the rewards for it. What do you make of Aberdeen this season? I mean, this performance, you can say it's a, a shock result, but what have you made of it in recent weeks? And especially in relation to when Dave Cormack said he wants to bring in exciting attacking football. Yeah, I think at the start of the season... That was certainly it. There was a lot of excitement around Aberdeen. It looked like they, it was a club that had its mojo back, I, su- I suppose. But And there has been injuries and there's been all sort of COVID-related um, incidents as well. But it, it just seems a club that sort of stumbled on its way through the festive period at the minute. Um, the football be- can be quite attritional um, and, and games can be quite unattractive to watch. But... We're still, we still hold the the stronger hand in the race for third against the Bernie. I think we're one point behind, maybe two games in hand. But you just kind of feel that you expected more from Aberdeen this season. With certainly with Celtic stumbling from week to week, I think it was maybe expected that Aberdeen can mount a real challenge for second. And and a few of the players have spoken about that already. That that's the target, but. They, they just don't look capable of that at the minute. They, they don't look like scoring goals either. Um, Curtis Main and Sam Cosgrove started up front. Cosgrove doesn't look 
well, he looks a shadow of the player that he was last season. And Curtis Mayne, I think he's now got eight goals in 40 games, which really isn't good enough. Um, a good enough return at a club like Aberdeen. But do you think that's because the strikers are just not playing well? Or, I mean, to me, it looks like there's only one way they create chances, and that's by putting crosses in from the wing backs, and the other teams mm-hmm. just don't struggle at all to stop that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the service probably isn't there. They were scoring goals when Marley Watkins was up front, and Marley Watkins was linking play, and he, he was bringing the midfield closer to the front line. And we're not really getting that with Main or Cosgrove at the minute. Main's first touch isn't good enough to link up the play. He isn't as, as skilled as Watkins in that respect. And he, he's probably better at flicking it on, but it, like, it just doesn't work for him at the minute. And I think we, we would have loved to have kept Watkins for the second half of the season. And certainly not lost him to injury in the way we did, but it looks like we're going to have to soldier on without him. What's the kind of sense from the, the fans? Are you, are you hearing much? Is, is, is McInnes under pressure? This uh, this comes around maybe once or twice a season. <laughs> every week. Uh, well, every week, every second month, where Aberdeen go through a bad period and all of a sudden it, um, the, the calls from... And it, it seems to increase every time. A, a fairly sizable chunk of supporters is for... McInnes to go and I mean he's been there seven and a half years now it's I mean when we first got together it was a brilliant honeymoon period between Aberdeen and Derek McInnes won a trophy very early on we were competing at the top end of the table and the last couple of seasons it just hasn't had that kind of excitement or spark to it Um, and I I mean I'm sure those within the club will feel that it can spark into life again it only takes one big result or a cup win to really reinvigorate the club but it just feels a little bit stale at the minute Well let's give some credit to Ross County um, especially you know Big Yogi two wins and six under him now since he's came in he's, he's always full of positivity and energy um, that it would you know naturally you would think it would change the atmosphere in the dressing room but you know I just I just wonder if if they have enough still to keep going. What do you guys think? I love Yogi. I'm such a big fan of him. <laughs> I think you I'm said always... it every week. So. <laughs> I know. I just think he's he's refreshing. He's honest. He's just... He loves the game. Like, I I think he is a bit too old school. Um, so he does he does have his faults. But I just think he, he just wants to play football and win football games and that sort of passion. Like, surely it's going to rub off on the players in his first few weeks in the job. You, you can't have that sort of infectious personality and not have that sort of impact on, on the boys who are obviously down after bad results. Um, I just think with a, a, a yogi team, you, you wouldn't see them necessarily go all out defending. He, he doesn't want to play safe because to him that's not football. He, he wants to go and attack teams and, and go this gung-ho attitude and yeah, it'll, they'll probably concede a lot in the process but it'll be entertaining because it'll be end-to-end. Um, I'm hoping that will be the kind of long-term football that we'll see from Ross County going forward. It's, it's been good so far. They need to start picking up wins against the teams in and around them because the two wins have came against Hibs and Aberdeen, you know, which you would probably label as shocks. Um, and I wonder if 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 Yogi's made County a bit more streetwise because they committed 20 fouls on Saturday, more fouls than Motherwell and Rangers committed between them on Sunday. But I just wonder, do, do you think they're becoming a bit more streetwise, JJ? Uh, maybe. I mean, committing fouls makes sense if you're trying to stop a team from breaking, and that's all Aberdeen really have is to try and break. And it's the exact kind of setup that um, McInnes' teams just cannot seem to break down this season when they play in this system that I still don't really like. They, they can't like play through the lines very well. When they get to the final third, everyone's back and defending, and the cross comes in and it's headed away. And Yogi was talking about it in his post match, saying uh, that you know he's trying to, get, trying to get the energy and intensity up and just trying to. Everyone who plays Ross County will know they've been in a game, so they might not work every single time. I think he says, but uh, they'll know they've played, and just making them have that intensity and a bit of character and a bit of kind of aggression about them. It's everything Aberdeen lacked. It, it was really, really poor from the Dons. A lot of fans are really unhappy with what they saw there. It's only one result, but it's I think the season. It's not very fun to watch. Moment. I mean, it, it, underlying stats, right? It's a lot closer than the scoreline. Like, XG says Aberdeen had the advantage, they had more chances, but I, I don't think. This is one of the rare times where I think XG just doesn't get it right here. I think Ross County fully deserved to win that, had better chances, totally outplayed them, controlled the game without having the ball. 
worried about the injuries that Aberdeen have now going forward. Ash Taylor coming out. I wonder if that would make him switch to a back four because he might not have anyone else that come in to play. But yeah, no Hayes. Um, and but Hayes is out left, as well, isn't he? I don't like Hayes at left wing back or left back. It well, he was work. caught. He was caught in a, a, a kickoff, wasn't he? He's he's a great winger. Like when he gets, in, especially when he tacks central space, he used to play. Off, I mean, he used to play off a striker sometimes when he played Aberdeen before he went to Celtic. Uh, and it makes sense. I mean, Neil Lennon was playing him at uh, left back because that's how you get him in the team, right? At Celtic, um, and it doesn't have the. He's not that great defending. He is very good going forward, but because his starting position is so deep, by the time he gets forward to affect play, everyone's already back. And he can't do anything. Ross County had some, you know, big performances for the likes of Ollie Shaw. Ollie Shaw, yeah, great finishes. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's got three goals in his last four games, and Harry Payton, I think, had a had an excellent game as well, two assists and a goal in his last four games as well. So that that's the level of performance that that Ross County and and Big John Hughes will be hoping that continues um, for the Staggers. They'll, they'll get points performances like that going forward. Like they keep defending so. well and keep getting at other teams. All they need is an off day for a couple of players and that's them getting a win. Definitely. Celtic slipped up again. Uh, they drew 0-0 at home to Livingston as that cheeky wee trip to Dubai continues to have consequences. And we should probably start talking about what Neil Lennon has done in his press conference today. The whole squad's negative bar two players. I'd have, I think that's remarkable. And I think it totally blows out of the water, the way the trip, the way the, the training camp has been portrayed by certain quarters of the media, by certain pundits, and by certain government officials as well. We did not abuse any privilege. We did the right things. We were absolutely, totally professional. We had a little drink in the afternoon on a day off, completely allowed, no law-breaking, yet no, we come back to this barrage of absolute hypocrisy. Peter Lowell, the chief executive, came out and apologised for the, the the training camp in Dubai. Said it was a mistake, um, although it was a bit strange that he did say that the pandemic had probably affected our club more than many, he said, which is bizarre when you look at the likes of, you know, Stranraer and Partick Thistle getting you know, relegated. Uh, Hearts <laughs> and, as well. And, and other clubs uh, all around the world. <laughs> yeah, and other teams getting fined. And, you know, pretty bizarre. But, um... Neil Lennon comes out and uh, gives a fairly aggressive defence of the, the, the training camp in Dubai. Tell oh, me, the, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, this is even worse than the defence, that this is full tinfoil hat on, like saying there's an agenda against them and it's political. It's ridiculous. Uh, I can't believe he's come out and said it. Like, that is... Remember that Kevin Keegan losing the plot bit where he goes, oh, I would love it if we beat them. That This is a sort of like Neil Lennon just having no grasp of reality in the situation that he's in. Yes, he might not have broken any protocols of doing it because they were technically allowed to, but he must be able to see how this looks and how everyone else in the country looks at it. Celtic's fans don't agree with it. He had like he wants an apology from Andy Walker, who was really emotional in the way he was talking about it, uh, how much of basically of a disgrace it was, calling it a jolly. But, and then Neil Lennon saying, well, I only had a little drink on the Tuesday, or whatever. Like, you... Sure enough, like you, you must get it. How can you not understand what's going on with this? I want to hear what Laura says. <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel really sorry <laughs> for people who do not like Scottish football or dismiss Scottish football as just little Scottish football. It's not important because they're missing out on the best soap opera of all time. The last <laughs> few years has been nuts, This isn't it? season, oh, yeah. Celtic this season is just the gift that keeps on giving because it's just story after story. And you've you've really just got to sit back and laugh because otherwise you just cry at this entire situation and, and the football COVID life that we're living just now. But yeah, I mean, where do you even start? What Lennon said um, in terms of justifying the fact that they didn't break any rules, we get it. He's correct. They didn't break rules. And yes, he's defending himself in that sense. But it's again, it's more naivety to come out and and shout about this when your own fans aren't in agreement with you. The optics look horrendous and just know when to stop talking. The story was dying away and it's just gained more life again a week later. Um you also Andy... started by saying only only two players have got coronavirus. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, the whole squad is negative. 
except the two players who that aren't. <laughs> but like the the Andy Walker thing, strange because I feel like the the club are just kind of picking on one person um, that's criticised them. There's been a, a lot of people that have criticised them. The, this word jolly gets. I, I kind of pulled this up. Um, I think it was last week or the week before. This story's been going on a while. Um, this word jolly gets thrown around a lot in terms of winter breaks. Um, I don't agree with it. I don't like it because I've seen what winter breaks are like, but. Andy Walker was not the only one to use that term or to say the words that he did. So it's strange to pick on that one person. I've not even seen on, on Twitter, like the land of opinions, people really backing Celtic's take on this. If it's siege mentality trying to put in his players, it's weird. I mean, Celtic have... It's not only that they've... I mean, they completely shagged ten in a row and now they're basically taking on the baton of the banter years with all this coming on and making themselves not a laughing stock, but it's it's just not on. They should conduct themselves differently to how they're how they're doing it. It's very easy to say that and everything. Yeah, I mean Peter Lawwell's apology was just strange because he spent the first forty seconds apologising and then the next four minutes kind of condoning everything else that Celtic have done and everything um, in, in defence of it. It's what I kind of call a, a typical boy apology <laughs> where like, people say, I'm, I'm sorry, but... And they then spend the next five minutes explaining that actually you did something wrong or actually I was kind of right after all <laughs> um, and continuing to defend themselves instead of just knowing when to stop. Stop after that. You said sorry, just stop it. <laughs> Stop digging more. We don't. We don't need to know about your charity that um, you've you've donated to. You don't need to know about the the values of the club and the history, or how much it's affected your club more than anyone else in the world. Just stop. Just say sorry and stop, and that's it. Um, and then it was followed up by what was it, a day later, the under 18s have all been furloughed, um, which it was a very bad timing, um, and just did not look good at all it was just yet another negative day for Celtic and the thing is right like sure, like like we said Lennon's been going on about how he didn't break any protocols or whatever but by going away and one person uh coming down with the virus it means they then have to isolate everyone so that means he doesn't have half his team it's not like some referee person hasn't decided to take half of Celtic's team away and like Martin David Martindale after the uh, Livingston game was saying that they thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity because it's such a weakened team and they were decent enough I think that's uh, is, have they not lost in 10 games or something like that now or they've got 8 wins and a draw from 9 or yeah. something yeah he's doing quite well I think it might be good I think what Martindale's doing is brilliant um, I know I was just praising Yogi there but how good is Martindale <laughs> he's another one I'm a fan of um, I love listening to his interviews <laughs> I think he's so engaging and he just says it like it is I just love that brutal honesty um i really like what he's doing with them just now and yeah what a, what a run they're on uh, obviously they've got celtic midweek it's gonna be very hard um going for their, their 10 10 unbeaten um i think livingston and i think i spoke about it last week as well are a good shout for a third um still a few points behind just now still kind of gap but if aberdeen continue in the form they're going on just now and struggle to kind of pick it up a bit and spark some life into their team then yeah, why not have a fight out between Hibs and Livy for Europe? Because right now they're the strongest two outside of Celtic and Rangers. They've got very good squads. They're entertaining to watch as well. I like it. I like what they're doing. And also this season, don't forget that there's a possibility fifth place could also get Europe. So even as it stands, Livy could actually be in a European spot as, right now. That's that's so impressive that the, the turnaround that Martindale has achieved so far. They haven't finished third since their their first season ever. Um, and they're not going to this year, just to be to be clear. Well, well, perhaps, perhaps. And they've got a really good chance on Wednesday. They haven't they haven't lost to Celtic at uh, the Tony Macaroni for the last three games. Um, and I was looking at the last time Livingston have been in Europe once before. Um, and they got knocked out, I think, in their second game. They won their first qualifying game, and they, they then played Sturm Graz, or Graz, whose stadium at the time was called the Arnold Schwarzenegger Stadium. <laughs> uh, it's not that anymore, which is sad, because it would have been nice if, if that happened again. They lost 8-6 yeah, on Sadly, aggregate. they won't be back. You don't think they'll be in Europe? Oh, my God. How did you miss that one? Really? Oh. Was it, was it oh. obvious, was it? Oh. 
I, do you know, I hate myself a little bit. So much so, I'm going to move on to the next conversation. Because oh. coming up next, three of the four League Cup semi-finalists. Don't, JJ, don't make me go back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Deutsch is Gogic! What a strike from Alex Gogic! The Cypriot midfielder, first goal for Hibernian. Hibs 2, Kilmarnock now. A first win in five for Jack Rossi's team. Um, in difficult conditions as well. Uh, what did you guys make of this game? Oh, kind of, <laughs> I think any team could have won this, to be honest. Uh, what, do you, what can you say about it? Like they were, they, Kilmarnock were unlucky with some chances they missed. Uh, I think Hibs probably had the better chances overall. Kamamba hitting the post was obviously the closest kill he kind of came. The cross from Doig for the own goal was very well struck. And can it, I don't know why Powers slid in for it. I, I mean, he must just... I don't, know, I don't know why he does it. Well, why wouldn't he? Because the goalkeeper should say, leave it, because he's got a clear path to catch it. I guess he's just trying to kind of cut it out. But yeah, he's just done it wrong. Oh, by the way, the Gogic hit is so, so nice. Like you, you know, when you hit a football like that, you can feel it come off your, off the, oh, off yeah, the, yeah, off yeah. the laces. Like you, it's know like a golf shot when you hit that really well. Yeah, and the, the little noise, thing noise, and you yeah. just know. Ah, oh, it must have been. Do you know so what nice else is nice? The celebration was nice because he he revealed that um, he's going to have a, a baby girl with his wife. So he put the ball under his under his shirt to make it look like he was pregnant, <laughs> and put his thumb in his mouth, like all I... baby celebrations are. Like. <laughs> I think this was a bad one for Kelly, to be honest. I kind of feel like it was such a woeful, lacklustre performance from them that there's not really a, a threat from them just now up front. There's no, no kind of real pace or aggression or like you just kind of think, well, where, where are the goals going to come from? Um, there's a, just a kind of overall lack of kind of ambition there, I feel. Um, I know Dyer's come up for, come in for some criticism from fans. Um, I don't know if you could really kind of directly associate those negatives with what he's bringing to the squad um, so I'm not necessarily saying that a change would, would would change that in any way but I just feel like just oh it just wasn't a good game for Kelly and on a weekend where their their fans turned up for them I feel like their, their players didn't um, and I, I mean that in the sense of the, the fans raised the money Oh yeah, to story. cover their fine um, oh, yeah. from the SFA, the SPFL. Um, I know we'll touch on that kind of more later. The the, the COVID points, um, but yeah, so the fans raised thousands of pounds for the club to pay off this fine um, for the the debacle that's been going on recently. Uh, and it's great, great story. from the fans to do that. Absolutely fantastic, like from the Kelly Trust. But on a weekend where they they do that and they go to all that effort and the players put in that sort of performance it's not it must be it's not an easy place for, for Kamara to go though because I don't think they've they've not won at Easter Road in seven games now so it's, it's you know it's a tough place to go Hibs are doing well Kamara with a few key players missing um, as well Broadfoot and uh, Dicker weren't playing That's, and so Power was, was actually captain in this game yeah um, I've been I've been speaking to to some Kilmarnock fans doing a bit of journalist research and uh, just on the back of what Laura says very about, fancy I know really putting the work in uh, like Laura's saying that maybe they want a change or something. I think what the general kind of view with Kamarnik fans that I get is that uh, they kind of just want a bit of consistency. They've had something like 10 managers in 11 years uh, <laughs> constantly changing. Everyone does well, like Steve Clark did. You know, they move on to different things because there's quite an obvious uh, large glass ceiling that they kind of reach. Um, so another thing with Alex Dyer at the moment is that he seems to change... Like what his team is every single week, there's no consistency. Maybe the players can't quite get on what's going on. Maybe he's doing a kind of Ollie Solskjaer thing where he adapts his team every single week, but it's not really having the effect. You don't see much difference in the performance. It's just a different team. 
Um, so it might be that he needs a couple of transfer windows to be able to make a, a side more like what he wants. But having worked under Steve Clark, you think he kind of has what he wants. Maybe just better players. Yeah, maybe. They're just not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Hibs do go up to third um, after that win. Um, St Johnston, they ended their 10 match winless run with victory over St Mirren on Saturday. Chris Kane with the only goal in the first minute of the second half. Uh, but what's your thoughts um, in the build up to this goal? Because it looked as though it hit Guy Melamed's hand it did. in the build up. It did. Uh, it you, should the goal have stood? But it should have been a free kick, so they should never have scored a goal in the first place. But maybe they would have scored some other way from, you know, it doesn't just mean they wouldn't have won. I mean, it was a nil-nil this game. It was it was really not. I think Jim Goodwin even said that at the end. He, he really laid in to the, uh, to the referee. He did, didn't a, he? Yeah, he probably defended him. He defended him first and then went really hard on him and uh, was, make, you know, really pointing out the mistakes he made, particularly the handball. He was standing right next to it, so he should really have blown for that. The, I mean, the it's a shame, but... They also got a goal last weekend from a very blatant not a penalty. So, you know. Swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. So I'm not really, feeling, not really feeling the sympathy for him there. <laughs> <laughs> Callum McPherson sent off two yellow cards. Uh, yeah. I think both are probably yellows. He does sort of get the ball the second time. So you yeah, can the see second one's a wee bit harsh, I'd say. harsh. But I, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. He's so close to not getting it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what hold I'm hold on a minute. Notes. Hold on a minute. The second, how is the second one harsh? Because I know he gets the ball, but his foot is flat and his studs are showing. And I think I've watched the replay quite close. And then after he gets the ball, he actually nicks Melamed's ankle. So I think there's contact after the initial foul. But I don't After think the, the foul is for studs up. The foul is because it's late, it looks like to me, because he takes the boy out. That's what I thought it was for, rather than... I don't know. I thought the referee maybe got... I don't know. He's off well, anyway. Look, He's done. Let's, let's, let's talk about the, the League Cup semi-finals as well, because both of these clubs are involved. We've got St Johnston taking on Hibs um, and St Mirren up against Livingston. And you'd probably say, on domestic form, Hibs and Livingston are the favourites. Agree, JJ? Um... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's really weird. It's Hibs, difficult because it's a cup I, competition. Hibs are the best team. Livingston are in the best form, but I like how St Mirren play and they can easily do a job. And St Johnston, I just fancy to do something weird in a cup by staying being really hard to beat and getting a scrappy goal. I just don't think you can call this at all. Yeah, I mean, I like you've seen it even this season. St Mirren put Rangers out of the cup, and even if they're not on a good run, they can still pull off a shock result. They've done it in the past as well. Like they. When they won the League Cup, they put Celtic out um, on the way. So they're capable of big results when it matters. Obviously, on on form, you kind of go right. Well, Hibs sitting third on the table and Livingston are on such a good run. Yeah, okay, fine. It'll be them in the final. But I don't think you can call it. St Johnson's men are very capable of pulling results out of the bag, especially in a one-off game like this. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I just don't think you can call it right now. And that's exactly what you want from a cup competition. Finally, Hamilton. Nil, Dundee United. Nil is my uh, my updates. Uh, the draw um, is always a safe bet for Dundee United. Mickey Mellon's men have drawn four of their last five. They've drawn ten in total in the Premiership. Five of those have been nil-nil. Um, they, they seem to do well in games and their performance levels are high, but they really struggle to, to kill games off. I mean, they even drew 2-2 with St Johnston last week. They just can't find that killer edge, can they, Laura? No, it's, it's kind of brutal when you look at the stats like that. Five of their ten draws have been goalless. I mean, God, I'm really, I feel for the Dundee United fans that are paying for the stream week in, week out, because that's not good entertainment. They're getting, they're not getting value for money. Um, I feel like United should be beating teams like Hamilton, but they're just not playing attacking-minded football right now. They're, they're playing to avoid defeat. And I think we've touched on it in previous weeks, I get it, that their priority is safety. And once they secure that safety, then we might see a wee bit more positive football, less negative, um, defensive, cautious play. Um, but I mean, only one sub for Mellon when it, when it isn't working. Why are you not, why not changing it up? Why are you not kind of looking to sharpen up the sides? The game was there for the taking. And I don't think United did enough to, to get the points, which they could have done against Aki's. JJ, what do you think? Are Dundee United um, not rewarding their fans with enough wins? I mean, they're still, you know, mid-table. 
Um, they're roughly quite safe of, of, of bottom and relegation. It's been an okay season so far, hasn't it? Yeah, if you don't lose, the other team doesn't win. I mean, they don't score many <laughs> goals, so that's not ideal. Uh, but they are playing with what they have. They don't have good players of certain other teams, so this is making them get the results. Like, I mean, it's not the thing with football. It's not theatre. So although it would be nice to watch a lovely, lovely game every single week, often that does not get you the result that you need. And uh, Mellon has a certain way of playing and likes to shut games down. Uh, I mean, they'll eventually get different players in in the future. I'd imagine that'll help them. And if that, like Ryan Fulton and his reaction save, he just manages to put the ball over the bar um, with his, I can't remember what arm it was, but it's a really good reaction save. If, it, if that header just goes slightly different, a different part of the goal, they've got the win, and you're like, oh, well, they've masterminded a clever one nil win over a really difficult Hamilton. But yeah, I, I think I don't know if fans are getting value for money, or whatever, but they're. I mean, they're sitting comfortably in sixth at the moment and they look good for it. So I wouldn't be moaning too much. It's it's, it's the kind of thing where you, it's kind of okay to watch for a season and a bit and then fans start to get a bit bored of it and then they start to ask for something to change. It's sort of like what you see with Aberdeen sometimes at the moment. It, it, it's hard for both clubs at the moment because I know Hamilton have had their, their, their severe injury list um, in recent weeks. Um, but that's still three clean sheets in four games for for the Ackies and we obviously we all know Dundee United their players and their staff are currently um, working under well they've they've all taken wage cuts uh, recently as well so we know it's hard for all clubs right now but I think both teams should be pretty happy with a point in this game there certainly wasn't a better team maybe Dundee United slightly but moving on we'll talk about some fantasy football. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Game week 24 in Fantasy Football Scotland, um, which is still going on. Oh, that's right, it's still going because Livingston hosts Celtic this week. David Turnbull, Laura, your favourite player in Scotland. <laughs> Once again, the most bought player this week um, after his stunning free kick against Hibs. Uh, but he couldn't repeat the trick, of course, against Livingston on Saturday. Um, maybe he will on Wednesday. God, I hope so. I think I've got more points on my bench this week than on the actual first 11. Oh, <laughs> I, I, have a new, I have a new bit of advice, right? I also left Tony Watt on my bench and he got five, um, which is kind of karma for putting one of my own players on the bench. I say my own player, like I'm, like I'm the manager. I'm the manager so of my you, fantasy team, so right? Yeah, mother, so Devante Cole, he's got two goals in two games, hasn't yep. he? Yeah. And both of the assists have been from Tony Watt as well. Yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah, it's little bit of symmetry there but my advice though is right I'm changing tactic because every week we're complaining that our bench is getting more points than our actual team so I'm saying scrap your bench okay I'm going to say fill your bench with the cheapest players who don't play save your money for other players that are going to play and that way every week you don't have that hard decision of oh should I put him in should I leave him on the bench oh crap he got 12 points and he's on my bench you know your bench isn't going to play and you've just got 11 good players that's interesting. It. That's my Don't listen to <laughs> this. this is Laura's trying to sabotage everyone else so that she can climb up the table. Well, she's. I don't she's think that's up good at, advice. It's her and Kieran Cannon that seem to be the, oh, the front runners at the moment. Away. Do you know another thing as well, right? Because you all have Rangers <laughs> defenders. Who laughed at me last week when I said put Alex Gogic in a team? Who laughed at me, JJ? The country. <laughs> His only goal about 400 games. He also Damn got eight points. Laugh. He got yeah, eight points at the weekend and scored a goal. How was JJ supposed to know that Gogic got news that he was going to be a dad? <laughs> I didn't know he would score that, that volley. I had no idea. Oh, I my, knew he was going tip, to. My tip is Paul McGinn, who I think has been absolutely superb this season. Yeah, like, yeah, really, really, sure. really, really important for him. He gets forward a lot. He's always high and wide. Um, he's got three goals and assists and ten clean sheets. Also, if you're trying to look for space on your bench, like Laura's just said, uh, Josh Doig is about two million, so it's nothing. I mean, that's one of the cheapest players I think you can get that actually gets points. So look at yeah, him. Yeah, but, but don't leave him on your bench. 
Oh, I did. <laughs> Another one. Um, Mark O'Hara's back. Um, should be back at the weekend for Motherwell. And he's... I don't know if he's down as a midfielder or a defender. He obviously plays in both roles. I think he's down as a midfielder. But he... He takes a free kicks and penalties for Motherwell quite a lot and scored like a penalty last time Motherwell played at Pataudry. So that is good advice. Know. I like that. That's good I point. was going to say, and I know I'm rubbish at this game, but I quite like to look at Harry Payton at the at the weekend. He's only three million, like I said earlier on, two assists and a goal in his last four games as well. And if Ross County are going to go on a run, I think he'll be one of the key guys, along with Ollie Shaw as well. Um, but don't listen to me. There I'm also aren't many. Also, <laughs> take out your um, take out your Levy, Hebs, Johnson, Simmons players because they're playing in the cup this weekend. Oh, I've got loads of them. So all put right. them all on the bench. <laughs> Let's move on. I hate this. <laughs> Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of Super Producer Charlie. It's a big week for the world coming up, isn't it? Yes, on Wednesday, a commander-in-chief with a slightly checkered past finally takes his place centre stage. We all want to see him do well. We all want to see him lead us through these dark times. On the other hand, if you don't think David Martindale's levy will beat Celtic, Paddy Power make whatever team Celtic put out at 4-6 to six to win at the Tony Macaroni. The draw is 27-10, to 10, while Livingston are 15-4. to four. Then on Saturday, is it that time again? The Bull Brannan Derby. The last time the Steelmen went to Pataudry, they won 3-0. Paddy Power think the odds of that happening again are 45-1. to 1. In fact, Rangers winning both the Premiership and the Europa League is more likely in the eyes of Paddy Power than Motherwell beating Aberdeen 3-0 on Saturday. You heard it here first. What? Amazing. I love Brannan and Bull. It's very kind of, you know... Lawyer company esque. Also, I, I admire the construction of that joke from Charlie, the uh, America joke. It's a good. He's joke. very good at constructing things. He's built a good joke there and delivered it finely. <laughs> Unlike some people I know. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. With football below championship level suspended and with only three games in the championship actually beating the weather this weekend, how about we have a wee chat about some SPFL and SFA bureaucracy. Joining us now, he is the hound of justice himself. It's Finn Marks. Hello, Finn. Hello. How do you like that, being called the hound of justice? A big fan of that. I'm going to put that straight on my Twitter bio. (laughs) So might not have championship football for much longer because um, I'm sure you've seen that the SFA chief executive Ian Maxwell wrote to all clubs and asked them if they want to carry on. So can you tell us what's what's going on? Well, yeah, so Ian Maxwell wrote on Friday to all 10 championship clubs asking if they wanted to continue playing or suspend the season, asking for a decision by the end of uh, Monday, end of play Monday. And in his email to the clubs, he kind of referred to the fact that one club had publicly called for the suspension of all football. Uh, He wrote in his email, one SPFL championship club has publicly taken the position that all football should be suspended. The Scottish FA would like to understand the position of your club. Please confirm if you're content to continue under the current exemption or whether uh, whether your club considers that all championships should be suspended. But I think it actually looks like Maxwell's uh, misinterpreted comments from Inverness Cali Thistle manager John Robertson um, in one of his most recent press conferences uh, as kind of like the official endorsement of Cali Thistle's supposed position, which is wanting all football suspended, something which they've actually come out and officially uh, denied. Well, at least he's paying attention to uh, what some of the managers are doing rather than to stay at home and going on Zoom occasionally and playing Warzone. <laughs> but why did he not just contact Cali directly to clarify um, their stance on this before contacting all the championship clubs. I'm not entirely sure. It's it's a really weird thing. So what had happened was John Robertson had kind of been ruminating in a press conference uh, about the SFA and the SPFL statement and he was debating, I, I guess, more the kind of moral implications of keeping playing when the pandemic seems to be getting worse and worse across the whole of the UK. And the way that the championship clubs had kind of been forced to adapt very quickly to brand new protocols uh, around testing in, in that division. Um, and he was also talking as well about the, the toll it had taken on his own mental health and that he was worrying for the welfare of his players and his staff and the, all their families. Um, and that just kind of comes off the back of, uh, you know, off the back of all this that, that uh, Maxwell composed uh, his email 
uh, to the championship to ask whether they wanted the season to continue. I, I think weirdly, I just think this whole situation is actually Ian Maxwell and the SFA's rather clumsy attempt, it's got to be said, at trying to be slightly more proactive uh, than, than they and the SPFL have been during this whole pandemic in trying to, you know, now ensure an ongoing dialogue between those at the top of the game and, and the clubs. Of course, this all comes off the back as well of the SFA halting the leagues, as you were saying, in uh, uh, everything below the championship, uh, in the predominantly semi-professional tiers of Scottish football for for a, a couple of weeks, without any real kind of um, consultation, I think, with the clubs in those leagues. Uh, Stenhouse Muir's chairman, Ian McMenemy, this week had claimed that the SPFL had muted the microphones of the the club members in the most recent general meeting with the SPFL to kind of, well, he, he thought it would be in uh, trying to avoid some of the tough questions that they would have faced on, on the league shutdown. Um, I mean, to me, I, I just think a lot of this is down to really poor communication at all levels of our game. You know, they say that the uh, the key to a successful marriage or relationship is communication. I think Scottish football's in some real need of marriage counselling because it's kind of evident that there's it's this complete communication breakdown between those who are supposedly running the game and the clubs themselves and the way that they inter- interact constantly. Talk to me about the uh, St and Kelly not uh, having to lose points in Finn because obviously, like... For a, a period of time, the SPF, the Premiership table looked a bit different because Hamilton and Motherwell got awarded the points, and then they got the points taken off them, and now the games are having to be rescheduled. So tell me, what, what's your take on all of it? I mean, this is something that we chatted about months ago now on the show. I, I think this kind of you know the lack of leadership and being proactive from the SPFL. Uh, before the season even began that they didn't properly define the protocols and, and situations that could and should have been thought about before the season started and it's just led to this kind of constantly muddled, unclear, making it up as they go along approach. I think with the Killian St Mirren um, winning their appeal, I, I think the SPFL and the SFA kind of placed themselves in a rather invidious position in the wake of uh, Celtic's trip to Dubai recently when uh, our, our old pal Ian Maxwell, uh, again being in the spotlight, uh, had kind of come out very quickly publicly saying that he didn't think Celtic had a case to answer for. And then two days later, kind of doing a bit of a U-turn and saying, oh, of course, the Celtic trip will be brought before the compliance officer to see if they've broken any protocols. And I think in the wake, in the wake of that, in seeing, I think that not really being seen to come down as harshly on Celtic round about the whole Hibs game and coming back from Dubai as as they had done initially on Kelly and St Mirren, I don't think it really left them anywhere else to turn but to reverse the decision uh, to forfeit those games. I, I do feel really sorry, um, I've got to say, for, for Motherwell in all this, Laura, because they just seem to be the victims of circumstance and that, you know, they were just they just so happened to be the club that were due to play Kelly and St Mirren um, and and that's kind of taken them from being in the top six just before Christmas to you know being at the, very close to the foot of the table a few weeks later. So the the impact on that's got to be huge on the morale and mentality around the club there. A good news story, I suppose, is you know not surprisingly from from a fan's point of view, the, the Kilmarnock Trust have raised almost twenty grand as well to to pay for for SPFL fines. I mean, that's something to be you know commended. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was incredible to see. So, Kelly, despite winning their appeal uh, against the the three nil default win to Motherwell, uh, were still stuck with the the twenty thousand pound fine um, because of the breach of protocols they'd been found to be in. With half of that suspended until the end of the season, so they had to pay ten thousand pounds up front. Um, the Kelly Trust and Board announced that they'd committed five thousand pounds of general fund money towards the ten grand penalty but um, had called on Killy fans to see if they could help meet that extra £5,000 the other the other part of the fine and with, within less than a day they'd raised over £17,000 and that total I think is still claiming it just it shows I think just once again the incredible support that Scottish football fans have shown to their clubs up and down the country during during this whole pandemic That's all from us thank you for listening thanks to JJ Laura Finn 
Benji, Stephen O'Donnell as well, great guest to have on the show, and to the Little Kicks for this awesome theme song that you're hearing right now. Let's not forget producer Charlie, who smells fantastic, I have to say, even on a Zoom call that we're having right now. We'll be back next Tuesday after the League Cup semi-finals. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.